You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. To left center, deep, gone, Brewers lead it. And a swing and a miss, he struck him out. Down the line, and that's the ball game. Hey, Brewers fans, welcome back. It is episode 12 of Brewers Unfiltered. Sophia Minnert, Adam McAlvey, Tim Dillard, joining you for an international version of Brewers Unfiltered. Adam, looking live from Milwaukee from his home office (laughs) with a giant mug of coffee. And Tim and I are in Toronto in Canada as we're visiting the Blue Jays. So guys, how's everyone's Memorial Day weekend? Oh, it was lovely. While you guys were on a plane, I was in my backyard. So not to make you jealous, but... I started out in the U.S. and ended up in Canada. So yeah, pretty <laughs> pretty memor- memorial, memorial Day. Memorable Memorial Day. Are you guys in the uh, hotel in the, in the stadium? The team doesn't stay there, right? The one in center field? No. No. Oh. I did meet somebody last night that I think does listen to the podcast oh. that's actually staying in that hotel. And there's gonna, they hug a flag in their window. So that may be visible during the game. Are you going to shout them out during the broadcast? Uh, If I'm allowed to. I'm not sure what I'm allowed or not allowed to do on the broadcast, but we'll see. Oh, if there's a Brewer's flag, we'll show it. All right. Believe it. We'll we'll find them. (laughs) Well, guys, Memorial Day is uh, the first milestone that, you know, jokingly, Craig Council lets us acknowledge of the season. We always like to push him (laughs) on these milestones, and he has given us a strict mandate that Memorial Day and getting – To this point of the season, we're now over 50 games in. This is the first official milestone that we can acknowledge. And so kind of just the the state of the club right now, as as we're starting this road trip in Toronto and as we're through Memorial Day weekend, the team is 28 and 25. They have a two-game lead over the Pittsburgh Pirates. I'll throw some just sort of season numbers at you to kind of get your take on what you've seen so far. But the pitching has a 414 earned run average as a team. Which is Ooh, that's appropriate. Very, very on brand for us. See what we did there, 414. Uh, fifth best in the National League. Um, however, they have allowed 73 home runs as a team as well, which is uh, towards the bottom of the National League. Offensively, some numbers for you a 232 team average, a 690 team OPS, 63 home runs, which is sixth most in the National League. 42 stolen bases, sixth most, and they're also in the top 10 in walks. So just overall, as we're sitting here, kind of what's your take on what we've seen from the club so far? Well, I'll throw another number, nine, which is, I believe, the number of players, well, maybe eight now without Luke Voigt uh, after he was designated yesterday. That's the number of members of the opening day roster that are on the injured list. And I think that has to be part of uh, the story of, this club is that, you know, I think lots of teams are dealing with that and everybody's trying to figure that out, whether it's, you know, the, the sped up games are contributing to injuries. I don't think there's enough data. When we've asked Craig Council about that, I think he said there's just not enough data to know the impact yet. Uh, but they have had to overcome some significant injuries on the pitching side. And as we've talked a bunch about, they are a pitching and defense team. So I think that that's a significant part of the story so far is losing Brandon Woodruff, most notably. I think losing Wade Miley was huge. Um, you know, obviously Eric Lauer on the aisle. I think Aaron Ashby 
not having him bouncing between the rotation and uh, bullpen as they'd wanted has been a, a kind of sneaky big factor in what's happened so far. So those those things stand out to me as a hu- is is a big part of the story of the first two months. Yeah, I think the first half of the third, the first third. I'm not good with fractions, <laughs> <laughs> but the first half of the first third of the season, as it were, uh, was exceptional. Uh, they were clicking on all cylinders. Everything was in place. And I think the second half of the first third uh, just came down to injuries. And it was the starting rotation. Like you said, Adam, it was it was Woodruff, Miley. Um, for, and remember, too, Hauser wasn't even there the first month. So where would this team be if Hauser hadn't come back and been pitching strong and what that looks like going forward? Um, but to me, it's, it's just injuries. With a team that's built around starting pitching, they set the tone. Every team's really built around starting pitching. It's going to matter how deep they go into games, you know, keeping runs off the board and all that. And I think that kind of just sprinkled into, I don't want to say defense, defense has been amazing, but sprinkled into the offense a little bit and put a lot of pressure on the offense because more runs were being given up. And um, I think it's starting to shake out now. So I think when the first half, everything went well. The second half of the first third is was challenging and they're trying to fix those pieces and put them in place. And I think they're just now getting to the point where they feel comfortable with what they have going forward. Um, so yeah, you need to figure it out going into June. Uh, hopefully everything's in place and they can start having some normalcy, I guess, especially in the starting rotation. Yeah, and I think, you know, they did get off to such a great start and it, it showed up. I mean, they won five out of their first six series. And I would say the April schedule was not easy by any stretch of the imagination. You know, you think back to that first homestand and it was Mets and Cardinals right out of the gate. And then they went on a 10-game road trip, right, to start the season um, after that first homestand. So March and April, they went 18 and 10 winning five of those first six series in May, 10 and 15. Um, And to Adam's point with the injuries, in terms of the players used, they have already used 43 different players to get through 53 games. (laughs) And 25 of those have been pitchers. Yeah, Which just speaks speaks to how much – they have been affected depth-wise. Yeah, and look, I, I do think, like, Craig Council, when we ask him about this, he always does make the point of, of there's no woe is us because every team deals with that, and probably every team that's not where they want to be is going to point to injuries. And you look, I mean, I'll, I'll spill my stat of the week early and come up with something as we're sitting here maybe, but to me, a huge one was going to be my stat of the week, which is the number of National League Central teams that are above 500. The Brewers are three games over, and the rest of the division is underwater. And when you look around baseball, there's a bunch of teams that are not what they're supposed to be. The Padres are 24 and 29 on Memorial Day. Um, the the Phillies are 25 and 28 on Memorial Day. So there's some good teams. And I'm I'm guessing if you you know I'm guessing they all are going to have some injury issues to point to. So it's it's not like the Brewers are unique in that. It just feels like. Theirs were concentrated in the one area that was supposed to be their strength, the starting pitching. And I think it's natural for that to, to impact the rest of the club. And I had a chance to chat with Christian Yelich. I think he has a good perspective on stuff like this because he's been here as longer than any other hitter, at least. Um, and he talked about how big it was for them to start well and give themselves a cushion because the other teams that are going through stuff just hadn't built as big a cushion as the Brewers had. And that's why they can sit here after a rough May and be over 500 and sort of be in, 
you know, we hear this from players when we talk to them. They're like, we're in a good position um, in terms of the standings. We're not playing the way we want to right now. But that but the, that quick start gave them an opportunity to bounce back from that. That's a great point. Yeah, I totally agree. I have nothing to add other than that is a great point. That's how players think. You know, they built yeah. up that cushion. It's like, okay, we're still good, guys. Like, we just got to figure it out. It's not like... It's not like this is going to continue month after month after month. They're going through a rough patch and they know it. And it's about getting to the end of that. And honestly, I think they're kind of, I think they are getting to the end of that and starting to figure some things out. It's great. Well, look, I, I think they're going to have to, June is going to be a, a bunch of like treading water, I think, because they're still going to, they're not going to get Brandon Woodruff back until after the all-star break. Now, I don't think Miley's supposed to be back. He's playing catch again and, Every time we talk to him, he says he's feeling really good. But I think they have to be careful with that. I don't think we're going to see him until the end of June. They're still going to be without some pretty significant pieces for this month. Um, getting Luis Sirius' back is big. I know we'll talk about that. But um, on the pitching side, I think they're probably going to have to do some th – this patchwork stuff that they've been trying to pull off is is going to continue, and it makes like Adrian Hauser, who you guys mentioned, huge, Colin Ray really big. They're really going to need those guys, I think, through the month of June and hopefully get to the other side of June in, still in a good position. That's, I think, uh, I think that's the aim for the next month. Well, and I think, like, to your point about being in a, in a good position and a good start, like, all of that is true. You know, like, even when they were going through that great stretch of April, it was like you knew, like, well, sure, they always talk about, like, you just want to stack up series wins, right? That's the goal, and then you see where you land at the end. But conversely, on Memorial Day, you know, the Cardinals, they're five and a half games back and they're last in the division. And I think their their hole was as big as what, eight, eight and a half, maybe nine games at one point during their, their during their losing streak. So better to be in this position and feel like you still have pieces that you're going to get back and you're going to continue to hopefully play better with those pieces added back than being in a hole. Right. And that pressure of having to dig yourself out of it, right? And and hope that the teams in front of you help you out a little bit. So I, I do think part of it too with kind of where the team is right now, it's interesting with like the new balance schedule as we're sitting here in Toronto. <laughs> and we've done these from some of these cities we haven't been and playing these teams we haven't seen in a long time. They've only had three division series. They're five and four. Six of those games came against the Cardinals. We're finally going to see the Cincinnati Reds for the first time on this road trip. Um, we'll see the Pittsburgh Pirates for the first time. That's the only other division team they haven't seen yet. So they're five and four in the division. Across the National League, they're 14 and 17. And then against American League teams, they're 13 and eight. Mm -hmm. So make of that what you will. But like, I think we were all kind of curious how this balanced schedule would work out, especially playing your division teams and how poorly <laughs> the division has played up until this point. Um, there's just we did there just haven't seen a lot of the division yet and you hope that they can take advantage of some of those like division head-to-head matchups but I don't know it's interesting just how it's all come together so far yeah that balanced schedule is a is a is a fact right I guess I hadn't thought about it in the sense that it's not great for the Brewers if you think the NL Central is going to be a weak division it's fewer games in your division and maybe I didn't think enough about that going in. It, it didn't strike me. And I mean, it didn't hit me until like a week ago that they still haven't seen the, the Reds and Pirates, which is super weird. Yeah, they haven't seen them at all. As And normally you would probably have played them 
maybe even twice at this point, yeah. right? Like just like you had Definitely. the Cardinals. And now, you know, having played the Cardinals twice, you don't see them until September again, which I guess maybe is when you want to play them if they're back in it. But it's just interesting you're seeing all these other teams and how that's affecting, you know, your performance and your record and your standings. It's I don't know, it's it's a different element that we've that we just haven't seen for other seasons. Um, but the road, or excuse me, the the homestand too, guys. It was um, start off great, right, with the the Houston Astros series, defending World Series champions coming in, two shutouts, a series win. Then the Giants come in, second time uh, the team has seen the Giants. But really, the 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 big story coming out of the Giants was, of course, Willie Adamas and his injury Friday night, and that was honestly one of the scariest things I've seen in a very long time um just the nature of the injury and who it happened to and how you know everyone's reaction in the dugout when it happened as well um fortunately you know we've gotten like the best possible news for Willie he's not with the team on the road trip hopefully he'll rejoin them in Cincinnati but this also has real implications you know obviously we're, we're grateful that Willie's healthy and he's going to be okay um but while he's on the I.L. Changes things a little bit, you know, for the team. Um, Bryce Terang is now going to be, be playing shortstop for the time being. So that moves Owen Miller over. Brian Anderson is going to be floating around. And then, of course, Luis Arias, who we mentioned earlier, he is eligible to come off the injured list today on May 30th as we're recording this. Now they've told us he's not going to be activated today. Um, but he's going to be coming soon. He's been playing in AAA games. So what do you th- – with Willie – I'm missing him, kind of what that does to the defense and the lineup and what that means for everyone else. Well, I mean, it, Willie Adama's playing every – he has started every single game up until, well, the game after he got hit. And he is fortunate. I mean, I've seen a lot of injuries in my career, I mean, to, to players and fans for that matter. And to miss like an eye or mouth, it's always a big, big deal. You know, like you – for him to be coming back this soon is – is a miracle. I mean, that it really is. And count your blessings in that way. And then all of a sudden, here comes Luis Arias, who I look up, he's batted uh, career 281 against left-handed pitching. So he may be part of that strategic code to crack, you know, whatever it is against left-handed pitching. And how he fits in and where everybody goes is is anybody's guess. Um, you know, with, with the DH being there, um, that certainly helps out. You know, the versatility of Owen Miller certainly helps out, but who knows? <laughs> They're going to need his bat against lefties, and you almost know, okay, what are we going to get? And you know his defense is going to be there, so he's not a liability in the field, but the way he swings the bat um, is probably going to determine. It's almost like if you build it, he will come, right? If if he hits, he will play. <laughs> That's just, we've seen that already. Owen Miller hitting, hey, you're going to play. We'll just plug you in anywhere. It does not matter. If you're hitting, you're going to play, and so... That's what's going to boil down to uh, Luis Arias coming back. The, uh, regarding the Adamas thing, uh, I will not soon forget Brian Anderson finishing his at bat with tears in his eyes. Uh, that was super powerful for those watching with him on TV. Um, and you know, then he he asked for sort of a day to gather his thoughts before talking to us about it. Um, I mean, that's that's every player's nightmare to have something so fluky happen and, and a teammate gets injured. I totally agree with Tim that 
what a lucky thing that that Willie is not more seriously injured. Bryce Strang told me when he was 16 playing for Team USA, he took a ball that <clears throat> glanced off the lip of the infield and hit him and fractured his, you know, the bone. What is the bone around your eye? Ocular orbital bone. bone. Orbital bone. Yep. Yeah, and it really impacted him, and it's a really hard thing to come back from. So Willie is so fortunate. If anyone's seen that, the, the angle where you see him get hit, it's really scary. And look, you saw, I think, from hopefully if you saw some of the, the reaction of, of his teammates after the game on, on Bally or, or on MLB.com, I mean, you just see in the guy's faces what he means to them, number one. And, and like if you picked one player that impacts this club in ways that, that don't show up on the stat sheet, it's Willie Adamas, kind of the, the heartbeat of the team. So everyone was really scared. And look, he he was there on Sunday morning, right? Sophia, did you did you see him? I did not physically get to see him. I had just missed him, but he was he was only there for maybe an hour, maybe less. And I think for him it was he wanted to come in, he wanted to see everybody uh, before they left for the road trip. He wanted to check in with the training staff. Um, so it was a very quick visit, but from the guys who have, you know, seen him, you know, like Freddie Peralta went to go see him, um, when Willie was home and then the, the guys that got to see him in the clubhouse, I mean, he's, he's bruised up, you know, he's certainly, he was very fortunate to escape without a serious injury, fractures, surgery, anything worse than that. Um, but he's, he's got some good bruising. Um, so I think, he wanted to keep a low profile. He just wanted to come in and say hello to everybody. And I think that really uplift, uplifted everybody. Um, I think just to kind of physically get your eyes on him and hug him and, you know, just he just brings so much joy to everyone. And I th- there was so much concern for him um, after that happened. And but yes, um, I did, did not get a chance to see him, but hopefully we can chat with him in Cincinnati. Yeah, and hopefully, you know, he's back and able to play soon. I mean, it'd, it'd be a big deal. Like, you know, Sophia, you mentioned Urias getting ready to come off the injured list. That that sets up pretty nicely for them if they get Willie Adamas back because it lets you play Urias theoretically at third, which allows – I know, Tim, you, you love Brian Anderson at third, and he's played a great third base and made some huge plays there, but just – as they're trying to get this offense a little more potent, if you put Brian Anderson in right field a little bit more, Tyrone Taylor becomes kind of a bench piece or late game defense. Um, then you have Owen Miller bouncing around wherever you can get him in the lineup. You know, that is a really big deal, I think, for them offensively when you start to shuffle those pieces around, especially as Tim said, against left handed pitching, which remains like this bugaboo. And you see every series now. I mean, maybe this is just coincidence in the way it's falling, but it seems to me like if a team has a left-handed starter, he's winding up pitching in this in a series against the Brewers. It's not it's like, coincidence. They yeah. know what they're doing. Yeah, the, it's the like the, the Joe Bad the jigs up. They finally found out, and that's exactly what they're doing. They're lining up these lefties to face the Brewers. There's no doubt about that, and I think they know that. You know, because yeah. why wouldn't you? They. That's exactly what I would do. Is what some of these other managers are doing. If there's any kind of weakness, you're going to try to exploit it, and I think that's what teams are trying to do. Yeah, so the Brewers have to answer by hitting lefties, and maybe with uh, Arias, as Tim pointed out, he's a guy who's hit lefties before. Um, it it just gives them a, a maybe a better alignment to to try to get a little more offense. Because look, like we talk so like I, I know the Brewers' offense is this 
lightning rod thing um, that I hear a lot about from fans, they don't have to be the best offense in baseball. I think maybe I've repeated this a bunch. Like if you're a pitching and defense team, that can be your strength and you can be a really good team with an average offense. And they've, that's what they've been and they've been fine, but the lefties thing stands out and teams are definitely trying to exploit that. Yeah. And that's also why they added Darren Ruff. You know, because yeah, his, who's been great. Yeah, and Darren yeah. Ruff, who has been with the team now for let's see here, he's played in nine games. He's got five hits, a two fifty average. Um, still waiting on a first homer, but Darren Ruff has collected some really nice hits and at bats for them. And so it's like, okay, you hope that with more time, maybe in the DH spot, um, that they can, you know, get his back going a little bit too, because he's been a career eight hundred plus OPS hitter against lefties too. So and a guy, I think if, if you, I mean, I think you would put him in the tough luck category so far in his Brewers tenure because they got robbed the other day. Yeah, lots of, of loud homer. outs. Yeah. So that's what they're looking at. It's just the quality at bats, the loud contact. It was unfortunately missing with Luke Voigt, and, and they made the move on Memorial Day to to designate him for assignment and, and give him an opportunity elsewhere. Um, that just didn't work. So it's on to the kind of the next thing and try to get something going against some of these lefties. All right, well, we have a lot more to get to here on uh, Brewers Unfiltered. We'll talk about Devin Williams. We'll talk about Jackson Churio. And uh, we'll talk about some of our activities here on the road. That's all coming up (laughs) on Brewers Unfiltered. It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. Sophia, Adam, and Tim back with you here on Brewers Unfiltered. And guys, we're of, uh, we spent a lot of time on this podcast talking about the freshmen, both the series and the players that are featured in that great series on all of the Brewers social channels and on YouTube. And there is a new episode tonight, and I think this is one that fans are going to be really excited about. And it's about top prospect Jackson Churio, who is currently in AA Biloxi, um, and he's the reigning Brewers minor league player of the year. We've talked a lot about just the crazy season he had last year to put himself even more so on the prospect map and really opened up a lot of eyes um, across baseball about what he is capable of and what his upside could be as a player. So for Churio, so far on the season in Biloxi, it's a 259 average, seven homers for him, um, 29 RBIs and 12 stolen bases. He's had some spectacular defense. He had a walk-off three-run bomb uh, this earlier this week uh, for Biloxi. So we've gotten to know Jackson a little bit. We've seen him a lot in the Cactus League. We've all been following what he's done in the minors. Kind of what do you think fans will see and learn and uh, you know just get to know Jackson here on this series? I'll jump in first because I got to see a little sneak preview that's what you get when you are in the thing. You get a little sneak preview. <laughs> I have taken over the Sophia role, and Sophia did it about 100 times better, but uh, I got to sit and talk for this one. Um, a couple of things I liked about it. Uh, one, uh, Sophia did moderate and translate for us a really cool like media session that Churio did last week, and what he said is, 
fans will get to know him off the field a little bit. And you do. Uh, they have him mic'd for some BP. They have just a little chatter. You just get a feel for kind of what he's like on the baseball field. I also love that you get to see Biloxi. Um, is it MGM Park? I'm, oh, I can't believe I don't know the stadium name of the Brewers double-A team. Uh, somebody edit this with a voiceover with the correct name of the stadium, <laughs> but you get to see where the double-A team plays, which I just found really cool in the dugout and see the stands and see him interacting with fans. Um, I really loved all of that. The other part I really liked is there was a pretty good segment dedicated to the challenges that Churio faces beyond baseball. I mean, 19 years old playing in the double-A Southern League is a big deal. There, I, the last check, there were a dozen players in that league that were 20 or younger. The Brewers had two of them in Churio and Jefferson Caro. Um, that's a big deal and a huge challenge for a player. But I think what was really cool is they had Eduardo Brizuela, they had Mike Guerrero, the great uh, longtime minor league manager who's, who's been at double-A for a while for the Brewers, talking about the challenges that Churio faces as a kid who not that long ago was a little kid, basically, in Venezuela, then comes into the Brewers system and is in the Dominican complex getting his pro career going. Now, all of a sudden, he's shooting through the minor league system in the U.S. and dealing with all of these cultural things in addition to try, you know, playing baseball. That is not insignificant. That is a big challenge for a guy. I mean, I think all of us, um, Sophia is wonderfully bilingual, but I think of myself, if you drop me in the middle of the Dominican Republic and said, you know, be a journalist, cover baseball. <laughs> like I would, it would be very, <laughs> you can think about the challenges of doing this when you have a language barrier. So um, I thought it was really cool that they dedicated some time to that aspect of his development, because that is definitely um, a, a, a challenge that he faces. And we got to see him make a leaping catch at the wall. And I know Tim likes to Cheerio for the defense, which maybe sometimes gets overlooked. So there was a good, not quite a home run, but a leaping catch at the wall, and he was mic'd up for it, so it was cool, and he got to like hear his reaction. Well, I, I, I like the defense part of it because if you look at Bryce Terang and you look at Joey Weimer, yeah. I think once the Brewers realize these guys, their glove is not going to you know, be a, it's going to be a plus, not a minus, um, the hitting stuff will work your way out. Like, if you want to get to the big leagues, if your defense is impeccable, you know, th that's one way to get there. They, if you can hit and be a liability in the field, that's that's tough sometimes. You know, that's you only so many DH spots or whatever. But I, I remember Churio when he played at the end of spring a couple years ago, and I guess he was only 17 years old, which I can't even imagine. I can't even imagine. But he's playing in big league spring training, and I think that probably, I mean, I think they knew he was good, but they put him on the map for Craig Council. We talked about, uh, or we heard from Craig Council when he talked about um, just Colin Ray when the Brewers had him a few years ago and the impact that he made. Um, and that's one of the reasons they brought him back. So you do make an impact when you're out there on the field, somebody's watching, somebody's looking. And I think they knew his glove was good. And so he was a gold glove winner last year, but this is what I love about gold gloves. I, I talked about this one time, Orlando Arcia got a gold glove when we were in Colorado Springs and AAA and everybody was like, uh, or you know, some of the fans maybe were kind of like, so what? It's a gold glove in the minor leagues. Here's the difference. Jackson Churio, is one of minimum 360 outfielders in minor league baseball. And he got one of the three outfield goal gloves. So possibly more like 450 to 480 is probably what he's going up against. But if you're in the big leagues, you go up against your, you know, your league, 
of 15 teams that have three outfielders, you're looking at 45 to possibly 60 outfielders. That's who you're going up against. You have three chances for that, too. Mm-hmm. So you have maybe like a 1 in 20 chance as opposed to like a 1 in, I don't even know the math on that. <laughs> Quick, do it. A 1 in like 150 chance. So that just shows you how good he is. And he did that at 18 years old. Um, if I'm an older outfielder, if I'm 22 or 25, I'm in AAA, and this dude's winning a gold glove over me, like, oh, man, this guy must be really good because I've been playing so much longer and doing so much. So anyway, I just find that absolutely amazing. I know sometimes it gets pushed to the side because, oh, it's the minor leagues, but it, it's just a testament to how good he is and how young he is. He's big league ready for his glove right now. That's that's obvious. So And he's also hitting the ball and the power's coming around. So what an amazing puzzle piece that's going <laughs> to – be amazing to see plugged in as the season goes on or maybe next season. Yeah. And I, I, I think Adam, it's like you hit it of, he is insanely talented, but he is 19 years old yeah. and there is so yep. much on his plate. And that was something that I think became very clear to us at spring training. When I sat down and talked with him for the series and then, you know, we've all, when we were on the media zoom with him just last week, talking about it, he, he was, he admitted like it has changed for him. You know, the, the prospect rankings, the attention, um, what that means for him internally in the organization, right? Just the number of eyeballs that are on him and tracking his progress and his development. And then even just across the minor leagues, right? Um, Doing things like this with the media, being mic'd up, putting himself out there. I mean, I give him a lot of credit for his age and taking this on. And he didn't shy away from it. You know, he says he, he likes it. You know, he, he's yeah. okay with it. And But it is it is a lot to manage. Um, his, his younger brother, Jason, is a prospect in the Guardians organization. His parents are at home in Venezuela. So he tries to have that family support around him when he can. But, you know, realistically, the his teammates are a big part of his support system. And the Brewers support staff and the Biloxi staff, like that, that's kind of his grounding. So... I think fans are going to really enjoy this Jackson Cheerio episode. It's going to be out on the YouTube channel here Tuesday night um, around 930. So uh, keep your if whenever you're listening, keep your eyes out for that Jackson Cheerio freshman episode. It's it's going to be a good one. So um, and credit to Ezra and Matt and Cody um, and I'm just missing someone. But for going down to Biloxi, um, to get all this great footage and spend so much time with Jackson. It's a, it's a big project. So credit to them for that. Yeah. And like I said, I thought that was really cool to see. I hope, I hope there's more like that coming because like, I've never seen the, the Zebulon complex, the Carolina mm-hmm. complex. I'd love to like meet Jacob Mizorowski and <laughs> um, see what that stadium looks like a little bit. So I thought that was kind of a sneaky, cool part of it was you get to see that, see that park. Yeah. I'm leaving out Bryce, Bryce. I think it was Ezra, Matt, and Bryce who went uh, to Biloxi. So well done, fellas. Um, Pivoting back to the Major League team, guys, uh, Devin Williams. It's been sort of an unusual season for him, and this is a credit to him because, A, he's performing like you expect. He's, He's pitching great. It's a terrific start to the season for him. Despite it being sort of an irregular work schedule, so to speak, He's pitched in 16 games. He has eight saves on the season. He's allowed only one earned run that came on a home run. And he's got 22 strikeouts. So his his ERA is nothing. It's like 0.5. Um, but what's interesting about Devin is his last three saves have been multi-inning saves. That goes back to the road trip. 
um, the five-out save that we talked so much about against the Cardinals, then one against the Rays, and then again most recently uh, against the Giants. So, Adam, I know you've talked to Devin about this, and Tim, you can chime in as, as a pitcher too. Like, this is a different kind of ask for Devin um, to do these multi-inning saves and to do it sort of on a different schedule. Well, uh, Tim should chime in because, you know, many relievers feel the more they pitch, the better they are. And he's being asked to pitch uh, some of the biggest innings of games uh, when the team is not having a good month and really needs to win the games that he pitches in, like really needs those games, which is why they're using him for these extended outings. And he's pitching as great as he always does, which is, I think, do not let this go overlooked um, as we talk about all the other stuff that's happening this month. So, like, I mean, I'd, I'd want to hear from Tim about how hard it is for a, a reliever to, to sit for a week and then come out and pitch a, a huge inning. And, in a, in a, you know, you're trying not to get swept in a four-game series, and here you are on the mound for the first time in a week. Well, I thought it was interesting last year, the first time he got back-to-back-to-back saves, kind of showing what is possible. You know, it kind of opens up your mind when you finally do something you've never done before. But him sitting for a week and then coming in with like two runners on base when the game's on the line, it, that is, it's like the worst case scenario. It, your first instinct is I'm not ready. I'm not, I haven't been facing hitters. Oh, I've been throwing bullpens. That doesn't do anything. Nobody in the bullpen is trying to smash a ball off of you. And so for him to come in in those moments and not only do good, but exceptional. I, I mean, it, it's extremely hard to do. Um, and he's probably used to regular work. Just naturally go to spring training. You're on a schedule before that, the season before. You're you're you know getting a lot of saves, and now this year, early on, they were blowing teams out. There was no reason to to use them, and then fast forward, and they're getting blown out. There's no reason to use them, and then all of a sudden, you get a chance after four days. Hey, we need you in the eighth inning, and for him to come in and be able to do that, he's showing you know just how amazing and how meticulous you can be, and how prepared. I, it's it's not common, doesn't happen to everyone, and it is a big deal. <laughs> That's Devin Williams right now. And to hear him, I talked to him the, uh, in the dugout the other day, just about nothing and everything. And uh, just what it, what's amazing about him is just that he takes it all in stride. Like, he is the calmest person out there. And that is really hard to do. When you're a pitcher and things start to speed up, especially with this pitch clock going on, for him to slow things down and be in control of the situation is is what you would usually get from a 35-year-old guy with you know, 300 saves under his belt or something ridiculous like that. Like that's, but he's on his way. He's on his way and he's doing it as good as anybody in baseball right now. Yeah. I think like, this is not ideal. This is not what anyone wants. Craig council said that after the game, they'd like for him to get regular work. Uh, Devin Williams would prefer regular work. I mean, if you think about it, like selfishly from any player's point of view, any pitcher's point of view, um, you want to pitch regularly if you're a closer, because it keeps you sharp. Most likely. I mean, to a point, right? Um, but also, like the way the game's structured, like this, th- these don't help you in arbitration. Like you want to, you want to rack up saves. That's the selfish side of it, but it's a reality of any closer. So, like this is not what they want. Um, Council tried to say like there could be a positive here that they're two months into the season, they have a super refreshed, strong. Devin Williams for the final four months. And there's going to be that stretch where there is the four or five where they want to pitch him. Um, that's just the way the baseball gods function. That time is coming. And look, I understand, you know, you could say, well, why don't they pitch him, like get him an outing here or there? 
when you do that, you always pay a price for it because then the next four days are one run games and you wish you hadn't burned that, you know, spent that, that outing. So um, I, I get the thinking on it, especially the way that this bullpen is structured. It's probably a little harder to find. Like if Devin Williams isn't available, who's, who has the ninth? It's, it's a little different than it's been in past years where you had guys that you could plug in Devin Williams <laughs> and feel really good about it when, on days when Hader was down. So um, it, I, I, I do think they hope this is something that changes. But for now, credit to Devin Williams for getting the job done in, in huge spots. Well, that's the thing about baseball. Baseball doesn't care. Oh, you want regular work? Yeah. Baseball don't care. It's like the honey badger. Just doesn't care. <laughs> I'm looking at the baseball looking at the is game. like the honey badger. <laughs> I'm looking at the games. He's only pitched back to back days once, and that was at the end of April. Like yeah. that that's and you want to be out there. He wants to be out there. I want this game to be close enough where I, they'll use me. And I think he even wanted to go in that one game when they were up by Let's see, they were up by three, and he was definitely going in, and they scored a run. I think he stayed in the bullpen. I think he was like, no, I want to pitch in this game. They I scored noticed another that. run. Did you notice that? Yeah, I was... it was him and Bryce Wilson warming up, right? Yeah. And then Wilson and I, got in? I think they called down, and they were talking to him, and I think he was like, no, I still want to throw. I don't know if that yeah. was the case, but I think he was going in. Had it stayed a four-run lead, I think he was going in that game, and then I think they scored another run. They sat him down. But he wants to be out there. And you know what? Baseball just doesn't care sometimes. Yeah. And you can sit there and take it the negative way, or you can say, okay, well, at least my pitch count's ready. You know, instead of throwing 30 pitches, I can go 45 if you need me. And that actually has been the case, and that's why he's getting these multi-inning saves in, in spots where brewers need a win desperately. And he's been the guy to, to, to literally single-handedly make that happen. Sophia, how do you think he's handling it? Like, you talk to him, and you talk to the guys as much as anybody, of, of like, and hear maybe what they really think. <laughs> yeah, I, well, I I agree. I mean, I think he he would tell you like he wishes he could be pitching more regularly, right? Um, but he also understands like this is part of the job. Is it can be unpredictable. You know that eventually it's going to even out, right? There are going to be stretches where you're going to be asked to do more. I think to his credit, he has taken on this challenge of doing the multi inning saves and. I also think part of it is like it's the mentality of a closer, right? Like he wants to come and pitch in games that matter. And by that, I mean like save situations, right? It's hard to ask a closer that is fiercely competitive and has that closer mentality always like Devin does in a game where it's a not a save situation. For whatever reason, we've seen this before with closers. It's like you just can't trick them into it they're going to go out they're going to compete they're going to put out their best effort I'm not saying that but it's just different when you know you know there's runners on there's there's game is on the line right it's a safe situation you're trying to finish a game for whatever reason that affects them and so like I think Devin has taken everything in stride I think he has done a fabulous job and it's also just like how this again how this team has won games it felt like in the past right like brewers games and seasons and bullpens of the past it was like every night was a one or two run game and every night was a save situation and fortunately or unfortunately for the brewers when they've won most often it's been sort of these these big wins right these big offensive numbers or when they lose it's also really lopsided so that just hasn't created like the regular opportunity for Devin um at this point in the season in one in one run games they're eight and three Mm. 
So they're doing a great job of closing down those games. That's a credit to Devin. But there just haven't been a lot of them. They just yeah. haven't had a lot of these one-run close games. So I think Devin's doing a great job. And um, you just know that eventually that stretch is going to come, right, where he's going to be asked to go two, three in a row, four out of five. Um, you hope that that stretch is coming for him. He's coming up on 10 years in the organization. I know. Um, drafted 2013, which is, like, wild. I talked to him about that when the team was in Tampa. The record, as we like to call it, was on very loud, so hopefully <laughs> I can hear what he was saying. I was trying to interview him, and the music was, like, full blast. We were standing right in front of the speaker because his locker was right next to it. But he talked a little bit about just, I mean, fascinating journey from – starting pitching prospect to injury to bullpen to getting called up to you know honing this crazy change up that nobody else in baseball has so that'll be I think my next newsletter so there's a little tease yeah I actually went and interviewed Devin when he was 18 or 19 with the Wisconsin Timber Rattlers nice so I think that would have been like the 13 or 14 season I'd have to go back and look but he and I talk about that all the time too I'm like he was truly, I mean, it was like Cheerio, right? It was like you were a teenager. And yeah. now look how far we've come. <laughs> but uh, Devin, by the way, has also agreed to be a podcast guest. So he has, yeah. Uh, we'll, we'll get Devin on for all the fans to get to know that story a little bit more. And we should also mention that the All Star voting opens up this week across Major League Baseball. And. Devin Williams should, cert should certainly be a part of that all-star voting in Seattle so that Adam can go cover him and write that great story of hopefully well, I don't Devin know Williams' the, the second all-star season. Yeah, the, do, the, do they vote for pitchers? I mean, not to like correct you in the middle of the pod, but I think maybe it's just hitters. Mm, Sounds like you're point. trying to correct in the middle of I the mean, pod. I mean, I'm just trying to... I, I, <laughs> Sophia's going to kill me. Are you talking no. about like fans? Thank you for correcting the, me. Um, so like the fans get to go ahead and vote already? Yes. So yeah, it's that, never to too me, early. Yeah, never too early. Yeah. Why don't we just start this a month ago? Unbelievable. Are you I was, trying to suggest that MLB.com is beginning uh, our all-star voting too early, Tim? Well, I just mean people can fall through the cracks. Yeah. Specifically me in 2009, I was in AAA. I was trying to make a AAA all-star team for the first time ever. And I didn't have the numbers when they started voting, right? Like, and then by the time the All Star game happened, my numbers were awesome, but they had already voted. But I Don think Money the... was my manager, and he apologized to me. He said, "Sorry, we voted a month ago, and you weren't good enough yet." <laughs> oh, I see. <laughs> and I, like the anyway, I've totally forgotten about it. It's not a big deal. But I just want to say, you start voting for people now that haven't caught hot yet, then eventually you're like, "Oh, I want my vote back." Anyway, does that make sense? Mm. Maybe you yeah. can vote every day. Anyway, Adam will be on assignment in Seattle at the All-Star Game, and it'd be nice right. if Devin Williams nice. was there, too. He's pitching like an All-Star. So we'll start, would, we'll uh, start lobbying for him. him. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right, well, we've got a lot more to get back on. We're going to wrap up Brewers Unfiltered here, so stick around. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. 
Price and coverage match limited by state law. We're wrapping up Brewers Unfiltered here, and we are road tripping in Toronto, Canada. So I think we have plans to go do a tour of the CN Tower, which should be excellent. I think. Who's we? Who's going on that? Yeah, was I invited? Oh, yeah, you're invited, Tim. (laughs) Oh, Um, okay, Tim. You know, of course, we'll have some poutine. We'll do some pit stops at Tim Hortons. We've got all kinds of Toronto activities lined up here. Um, But while we're we're road tripping, um, are there any favorite, like, tourist activities you've done in any of the cities that we've been to this year or of road trips past? Uh, I mean, the only one I can... I have to say, is in 2012, I went with Randy Wolf and Mike Vassallo to Skywalker Ranch when we were in San Francisco. I remember and that. It, yeah, that's that's only thing I've ever wanted to do in life and got to do <laughs> it on a road trip. Sometimes I think maybe I just played baseball just so I could get that opportunity to do that. But anyway, it was, it was phenomenal. This was right before they sold it to Disney, too, for $4 billion. So uh, we got to go access, got to see all the props, holding Han Solo's uh, laser blaster, picking up a, you know, a, a, a lightsaber, seeing all the, the costumes and stuff. It was pretty awesome. And, and then, then focus on baseball after that. <laughs> Tim, when you go there, isn't there out front a, a metal statue of, is it Yoda or someone? Isn't there some? Well, see, that's different. That's uh, Lucasfilm Incorporated. That's actually in a different spot. Oh, um, wow. They have two different headquarters. Um, the one we went to is actually the one that George Lucas built. And it's, it's pretty big. There's a winery there. They have Ewok Lake. Yes. So for all you Star Wars fans, this stuff is real. Um, yeah, walked around. They said they only give about maybe three tours a year. They're not really tours. There's are people that work here that, for whatever reason, got a memo. They have to show these random people around. And so I was like, oh, you don't do this that much. And the person that was showing us around said no. I said, who was the last person that you know, went on a tour before us? And they said, Robin Williams. <laughs> Oh my gosh. I mean, that's how exclusive it was. And it wasn't because of me. It was Randy Wolf. I guess you get, you know, 16 years in the show, you can go visit whatever, wherever. <laughs> I asked about the statue because I think that statue at the other location, wherever that is, it was is somehow yep. fabricated in Wisconsin. Like by some metalworking company here. I might be completely botching that story, so don't get too excited. Well, if you find out who it is, let me know. I need one of those out front of my house. Mine, uh, my story, ironically, well, coincidentally, all also involves Mike Vassallo, the fine PR man. Sure. One year, I'm trying to find what year, and I can't find pictures, but we were lucky enough to go to a taping of The Price is Right when the Brewers were playing the Dodgers and had yeah. a night game. And Dan Larea, the traveling secretary, was involved. And gosh, who was the other? Maybe Joe. You have your name tag behind you. I do. Is that your yeah. name tag? Yeah, it looks like the Price is Right name tag. My home office. Yeah, yeah. I should have put. I should have dated it. You should have put it but on. We had seats because we were not eligible to be contestants. We had seats right behind contestant row. So every time they yelled, "Come on down," somebody would come up and we would like get to high five them as they got into place <laughs> in the thing. It was, it was awesome. And that was the second time we've actually visited that set because when the Brewers were on the Young and the Restless in whatever year that was with Jeff Supon and J.J. Hardy and Bill Hall. And anyway, that was that studio was across the hall from The Price is Right. So we were like, they were like filming scenes for The Young and the Restless and we were waiting out in the hall and like 
Plinkos right there and the wheel. They wheel all those things and they just throw them in a hallway. So we got to see it and then years later we got to go in. And Drew Carey did stand up in between all the like commercial breaks and it was like definitely R-rated stand up. It was like, it was a really fun experience. I love that you guys were Price is Right hype people. Oh, we like totally you were basically were. hype crowd. We, absolutely. That's what we were there for, just to like <laughs> hype up these contestants. And then for like the next year, maybe every like three months, I'd get a text and someone would be like, were you on the prices right? Because it would be like on in the background. So, um, so cool. Well, I guess mine is not nearly as fun, but just because this is coming up. So on this road trip um friday in cincinnati it's going to be an apple game so tim we are not broadcasting that game reminder uh yep. so we're gonna have to be <laughs> reminder not to come in. tim reminder unless you want to show up to the ballpark which maybe we will um as i fans, am gonna show up yeah which is kind of fun and also the much anticipated zach brown band post-game concert yes at great yeah. american ballpark so uh we're essentially going to be tourists for a day in cincinnati and this isn't like a I don't know. It's not as epic as Price is Right hype crowd or Skywalker Ranch. But uh, one of my favorite memories like years ago was we were in Cincinnati for Fourth of July for another national game. And Rock and Brian McLogic and I, um, who would be back on this trip, we went on a Cincinnati riverboat cruise. And Ooh. I think we're going to do it again on Friday. So... I think we're going to bring back the riverboat cruise in Cincinnati. So, Tim, if you want to join before the game. That's awesome. Before the game? Absolutely. Yeah. What a great day. Do you have to, like, dress up as, like, old-timey riverboat gamblers? Like a ribbon bow tie? Now, see, if we were committed, we would do that. But we're going to stick with the clothes that we have. <laughs> okay. That's probably okay. good. But that would yeah. actually that would make it more touristy if we, like, committed to the full costume. But, um, yeah, I'm just – that's what came to mind because we're on this trip and we were just talking about it of maybe bringing back the old uh, Cincinnati riverboat cruise. And one thing that we've always talked about in Pittsburgh is the tiki huts that are floating on the Allegheny in Pittsburgh that you see outside PNC park. We have talked about this for years. um, And we actually looked into it, uh, but we, we need an off day in Pittsburgh to execute that plan. (laughs) <laughs> well, we can also do that one here. They have those, I'm almost certain, here on the Milwaukee River. We could, like, on an off day, do a little afternoon booze cruise. That's what we're talking about. Yes. We I'll need document an off day. It. Yeah. All right. So add, add that to uh, the list of to-do list. podcast activities. <laughs> oh, we can record a podcast from the river. <laughs> that would be awesome. <laughs> Everyone or hold dangerous. on to their laptops and microphones, please. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> River. Um, well, guys, now that we're through Memorial Day weekend, we've got June coming up. Um, some interesting series and matchups coming up. Is there anything that jumps out to you? Uh, looking ahead to June. I can't believe we're even talking about June now. Well, I'll say I'm looking forward to the Oakland A's coming to American Family Field because it means a visit from Jesus Aguilar, which is who's one of our favorite players over the years. We visited him briefly in spring training, and uh, he was really looking forward to coming back. The, some of these guys, like he had some of his best moments in baseball here in Milwaukee, um, and there's a number of players. You know, we saw Eric Thames in the crowd uh, the other day at AmFam. There's certain players who had like some of the best times of their career here, and it's always cool to see them come back because they appreciate 
walking in, it's a lot of the same security folks. They kind of the memories come back. So I know Jesus was really looking forward to coming back. So that's one that's circled well, for me. And Jace Wasn't Peterson he? with the A's too. And Jace Peterson. Yeah. I think Aguilar got designated for assignment yesterday. No. I think no. so. I saw it on the plane. It was on the bottom line of the plane. Wow. TV. Oh. I hope I'm wrong, but I, well, I was in the backyard. Did, did, did this change? Yeah, I mean, I can check it now. Designated so for assignment amid I one think. for 20 skid. Yeah. Well, how do I even find Let's that? go ahead and edit this section out of the old podcast. <laughs> well, I mean, well, we can still look forward <laughs> to seeing Jace Peterson. We, I, I will yep. shift all of my excitement for seeing Jesus Aguilar to seeing Jace Peterson. And Tim, thank you for catching me up on baseball well, news. Well, I mean, yeah, because I'm just <laughs> all over it. No, I just happened to see it pop up on the bottom line. Wow. Man, it's that's true. tough for Jesus. Yeah. Tim, what about no. you for June? For June? Um, I'm, I'm excited about all baseball games. It's not really. <laughs> it's, it's easy for me. This um, is the part I where as have, a player you say one game at a time. One game at a time. Yeah, cliche. I'm allowed to do that. I'm a broadcaster now. Um, I will say Baltimore series because so I fly back and forth from Milwaukee to Nashville and I get to know everybody that works at the airports, which is very strange. So if you see me in an airport, go ahead and yell at me. It's okay. And I met this guy. His name's Tim. And he works in Nashville at the airport. And he always wears a Baltimore Orioles lanyard. And anyway, saw him at the airport last, no, not last night, two nights ago. And I was talking to him and I said, hey, listen, I was like, the Brewers are playing Baltimore, you know, like in a week and a half. And he was like, really? I was like, I can get you a ticket if you want to come. And he said, sure. So he's going to check his flights. We connect over Instagram and I'm going to give him a ticket to the Baltimore Orioles game. Maybe three. Who knows? So I don't know why. I just think that's cool. <laughs> Look at Tim being Man kind. of the people. Man, Man of, the of the people. Man of the airport. Yeah. Have you ever tried to walk on the concourse in American Family Field with Tim, you... Sophia? <laughs> it's... No, I'm saying, and I'm saying this to Sophia. You also are very hard to like make any headway because you get stopped by your fans. That's very kind of you, but it does not compare to the Tim Dillard experience. No, the Tim Dillard experience is next to <laughs> It's only because I'm so tall and bearded, I stand out. Yeah, so, I'm, I'm it's little. Awesome. It's I fun. just sneak around. No one even like knows I'm there. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, um, yeah, it is. It is an experience to walk anywhere with Tim Dillard. It really is. But especially, especially if you get closer to the to our Brewers live set over in Nelly's corner in right field. That's generally where you can find Tim and his excellent merchandise. He's you almost always have something on you. Like you've got a, stickers a or pins yeah. or pens or sunglasses. I mean, if you're looking for like some goodies, head on over to the Brewers Live set and find Tim. Yeah. One of our listeners asked me about um they were at the game the other day and they wondered if I had a sticker and I I didn't they were in from Rogers, Minnesota. So whoever that fan is, I'm sorry I missed you. I did not see their direct message until the Which game is long sticker? over, so I missed it. And I do have a sticker, um, but next time, I promise. Is it, a, is it a pod sticker? A pod sticker, yeah. They were pod looking sticker. for a pod sticker. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You should take it, and maybe they show up at the, uh, at the Twins game. Are you going to the Twins series? <sighs> Man, I might not be at that one either. I don't want to make it sound like I never cover any games, but I'm not going <laughs> to <Unbelievable. that> <laughs> I'll send it with Sophia, yeah. There you go. All right, guys. Well, let's wrap this up. Uh, stat of the week, do you have anything interesting that jumps out to you about the first third of the season or any players or anything interesting i'll repeat mine from earlier because this is where i was going to save it for i think one is a notable stat 
number of NL Central teams with a winning record on Memorial Day? Um, the Milwaukee Brewers. So I'm recycling. Yeah, I don't have an up-to-date stat of the week, uh, but just the fact that Bryce Terang is errorless this season, playing an infield position is pretty remarkable. Not that he's not good, but just like that's almost unheard of in his chances, and he's coming up on 200 chances between second base and shortstop, and um, I just find that pretty pretty, pretty amazing because he's making some uh, incredible plays out there. It's not like he's playing the outfield and plays it safe, you know, something like that, never dives or always hits a cutoff man, but playing a very demanding role in the middle infield, but um, playing it super solid, perfect even, is, is remarkable. Well, I'm also sticking with a number that I said earlier, and that is 43, and that's the number of players used. And I'm just using that to highlight, kind of to Adam's point, the injuries, uh, how much the depth has been tested, how much we've already dipped into that depth at this point in the season. I mean, sometimes you go through an entire season using 50 to 60 players, and we're already at 43. So um, a lot of lot – of, transactions and roster moves and the opening day roster is looking very different and and we just know that that's going to continue to change so especially as we get closer to the trade deadline so that's going to be my number for the week so guys that was this was a good chat this week for episode 12 of brewers unfiltered um adam we will see you in cincinnati correct yep Absolutely, I will be there. For Chicken Fried and other Zach Brown Band hits. Uh, five o'clock start, everybody. Get ready for a weird start time on Friday. Yeah, very interesting uh, if you're planning ahead for the Red Series. <laughs> We've got four different start times and just an unusual wraparound series playing Friday through Monday in Cincinnati before we return home. So uh, we'll actually record the next episode from Cincinnati. So we'll uh, we'll talk to you then. But thanks for joining us here on Brewers Unfiltered. You can follow us all on Twitter and Instagram and make sure that you're following all of the Brewers socials at Brewers on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram and all that good stuff to stay up to date. So thanks for listening here on Brewers Unfiltered. Unfiltered.